0: Podcast for people, Father, Jesus. What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at RestorationTC.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. He spent most of his working life climbing the success ladder the ladder of success and he climbed it pretty quickly it was something that came naturally to him it just seemed like people were drawn to him people like he, he, he could he could lead people well and uh, he he didn't face much opposition in his life and so when when someone came to town that he needed to speak to man he was not gonna miss the opportunity this was someone who could give him even more clout even more power even more um, great stuff standing within the community and so when this guy came this important figure he made it a point to make sure that he got to have a word with him so he left one of his meetings and headed straight over to where the last place he had heard that this person had been And, and and he he made a beeline rehearsing the question over and over again because a he wanted to ask this question number one because he wanted to make sure that he was going the right way that he had the right path, that things were going well for him. Number two, it was going to look good for the people around him if there was anybody around him to hear this confirmation from this important person. And, and and number three, there's still something missing in his life. He doesn't understand what it is. He can't figure it out. He's got great success. He's got people under him, but there's still just something missing. And so he finally catches up to him. He sees him off in the distance. The guy's heading out of town and he runs up to him. He's out of breath and he's like, hold on. Just one minute. I just have a question. Good teacher. Sorry. Let me catch my breath here. What must a man do to enter into the kingdom, to have eternal life? And the teacher, it's a softball of a question. I mean, because the guy knows. He's been in church. He knows exactly what it is he's supposed to be doing. He knows the right answer. And he's hoping that this is going to be like, oh, you're doing the right thing, son. You're doing the right thing. And so he asks that question. And the teacher says, first of all, only God is good. And second of all, it's to obey the commandments. Do all the things, you know, the the, the Ten Commandments. And he's like, oh, He's thinking, this is going great. Then a smile comes across his face. And he says, I've been doing all those since I was a little boy. But as he looks at the teacher, it's not a look of approval anymore. It's not a look of well done, keep going. This look turns into a look of compassion. A look of almost there, man. A look of knowing. The teacher looks at him, and he says, "There's one more thing that you must do." And this young man looks at the teacher; and he's searching for what this question is going to be. And the teacher says, "Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me." And in the Gospel of Mark, it says that he turned away sad because he was a man of great wealth. He had many possessions. The cost of discipleship was it was too much for him. He didn't want to get rid of all of his stuff. You see, he was much more in, in, interested in the God of comfort than the God who comforts. And friends, we're going to be covering that today. I'm just going to throw that out there. This is going to be a heavy sermon. I'm going to try to smile a little bit more. But this is a difficult sermon for me for multiple reasons. Number one, I'm afraid that it's going to be used as a weapon. Number two, I'm going to sound like a zealot. And number three, I don't have a number three. Those are just the first two, but we're going to get into this scripture. We are in John chapter 15. Uh, We've been in 15 now for two weeks, and uh, last week we covered Jesus wanting us to remain. This week we're going to cover what it looks like to the outside world when we remain in Jesus. He's saying, here's what's going to happen to you when you remain in me. When you abide in me, here's what the world is going to respond with. Are you ready for what the world's going to respond with? When we remain in Him, when His joy is in us, when His peace is in us, when His love is in us, here's how the world is going to respond. I bet they're going to welcome us with open arms, right? That's probably what we're thinking. The, the world is not going to know what hit them. There's going to be so much love and joy and peace and patience. Like Everyone is going to accept us and love us for exactly who we are, and we're, it's all going to be kumbaya. We're all going to stand in a circle and sing that everybody together. I don't know how that song goes. I'm just making it up as I go. That's what we assume is going to happen, right? Maybe. Let's see what Jesus has to say what's going to happen with the world. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. (laughs) Know that it has hated me before it hated you. That's not great, is it? But now they have seen and hated both me and the Father. This is not turning out well for us, guys. If we're going to abide in Jesus, if we're going to remain in him, that means the world is going to hate you. (laughs) That means the world's going to hate you. Why why are they going to hate you? That doesn't make any sense. Well, number one, they're going to hate us because we're not of this world. We don't belong to this world. We're going to do things different. We're going to look different. And people naturally hate things that they don't understand. They're, they're going to fear it. They're going to hate it. And they are going to uh, reject the things that they don't understand and know. So because we're not of this world, because we don't act the way that this world acts, we're going to be hated for that. Number two is because we're elected. I'm not going to get into the debate about if we are chosen or if we're free, if we have free will, if we're chosen, if everything's predestined. Yes, somewhere in in the middle there, okay? We have free will, but we're also chosen. It says that we're God's elected. Jesus is talking to the disciples specifically here, but he's also talking to us uh, today that we are chosen by God, but yet we are also free, okay? So they're going to hate us because we're elected by God. And number three, they're going to hate us because they hated Jesus, If we're going to look like Jesus, if we're going to follow Jesus, they're going to hate us. I mean, if I love the Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royal fans are going to hate Detroit Tigers fans because I like the Detroit Tigers, because I follow the Detroit Tigers. So they're just naturally going to hate the people who follow the team. Does that make sense? We do it in sports all the time. So people who hate Jesus hate their followers. Now, why would anyone hate Jesus though, right? That's like the next question for us. Why would anyone hate Jesus? They're hating Jesus because of his words. And and his words expose sin. His words are going to expose sin. And and people are going to hate that his words have their sin exposed. It's like looking in a mirror or a weight scale. I mean, we look in this mirror and we hate the way we look, right? Sometimes, maybe some of us, some of us a little bit more than others. We hate the way we look and and, and we blame it on the mirror or, or the weight scale. It's not the weight scales that made me eat those extra donuts. It's not the weight scale that made me eat more pizza. I made me do that. The weight scale is just showing it to me and telling me what I already know. There's this funny story about this uh, missionary couple that was in a remote village somewhere and they had a mirror in, um, in their residence and, and one of the locals came by, one of, the, one of the people from the tribes came by, never seen a mirror before in their life and they look at this, this thing called a mirror and they're petrified about what they see on the other side. There's this person with things on their face and earrings that they'd never seen before. And I'm like, wow, what is that? And they're like, um, uh, that's, that's you. <laughs> Sorry, that's you. And this, this tribal person could not believe that it was them. And they started to resent the mirror. And they said to the missionaries, uh, well, let let us buy this mirror from you, this mirror. And and the and the missionaries are like, no, 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 we like this mirror. They're like, we must buy this mirror. They're like, no, we love this mirror. They're like, let us buy this mirror. And finally they're like, fine, okay, buy the mirror. It's fine, it's yours. And so they, they exchange money, they hand it over, and then the mirror gets completely destroyed on purpose because they never wanted to see that again. People hate when they are exposed. And Jesus, with his words, cuts us deep, doesn't it? So people naturally learn to hate the thing that calls them out. Second reason people hate Jesus is because of his actions. Compared to ours, ours look pitiful compared to Jesus. It's like being a, 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 a me baking next to a chef. My food's not going to turn out that great. His food is going to be awesome, or her food is going to be incredible. They're going to choose their food over, over mine, and I'm going to be sad about that. It says the works. Uh, if it says if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they've seen and hated both me and the father. They see the works that I do, how much better it is, and they don't like it. So that's why they hate Jesus. That's why they're going to hate us. So you're going to remain in Jesus. You're going to abide in him. Guess what? The world's going to hate you. Congratulations. Yay. I bet you weren't expecting that sermon today. Now you're maybe starting to wonder or or, or see why I wasn't excited about this message. Let's keep going. Verse 25. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Boy, I wish that were true of Christians. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians, we have given quite a bit of cause for hate, haven't we? Quite a bit. They hated me without cause, Jesus said. But for Christians, boy, we... (laughs) We give every excuse, don't we? We give every reason to hate. Don't give people a reason to hate you. We use this as an excuse to be condemning or abusive. We're like, ah, the world's gonna hate us anyway. We might as well get our money's worth, right? Let's pick it, let's hold up signs, let's do whatever it is that we gotta do to be as abrasive as humanly possible to the world around us so that, well, they're justified in their hatred. Don't give them a reason to hate. Don't give them a reason. Jesus didn't give him a reason. All he did was love, 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 called out sin, love, 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 and showed that we were falling short. Don't give him a reason. Jesus called us to love and to love alone. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity who empowers us to glorify Jesus, empowers us to glorify Jesus. So along with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And the Holy Spirit's job, remember, the Holy Spirit's purpose is to glorify Jesus. And it's going to bear witness. He's going to bear witness about Jesus The Holy Spirit's a who, not a what. Holy Spirit's gonna bear witness about who Jesus is. And so we, in turn, in step with the Holy Spirit will also bear witness about Jesus. It's the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Revelation 12, 11, Acts 420. <laughs> 420. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We are supposed to give our testimony. We're supposed to bear witness to what Christ has done in our lives. So many of us use this as an excuse not to say anything about what God is doing in our lives because we don't know the Bible very well. I don't memorize scripture well. I don't know the gospel very well. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And what Jesus is saying is that you will bear witness with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to bear witness and you're going to bear witness. Just talk about what you've seen. Talk about what you've heard. The blind man, when he was uh, um, getting questioned by the uh, religious leaders, when he was when his, when his sight was restored, they're like, Uh, can you explain it? Like, tell us about this person. like, I can't tell you anything. All I can tell you is that I once was blind and now I see. You thought it was a song. It's actually in the Bible. I once was blind, but now I see. All he was doing was bearing witness about Jesus Christ. And that's all that he asks us to do. And we fall short of that. Because it's uncomfortable, isn't it? I don't want to be known as weird. I don't want to see people have people see me. (laughs) You know what would happen if people called me a Christian, especially in my workplace or, or or with my friends. I can't do that. Something might happen to me. Yeah, the world's gonna hate you. We're gonna get to that. John 16. We're we're flipping chapters. Don't worry. We're only doing a few verses in this chapter. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away they will put you out of the synagogues indeed the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to god and they will do these things because they have not known the father nor me but i have said these things to you that when their hour comes you may remember that i told them to you i did not say these things to you from the beginning because i was with you That's where we're going to end our scripture reading today. And he's saying, listen, they, I'm telling you this ahead of time before things get crazy. uh, We're walking to the garden right now. You're going to be in trouble, and they're going to kick you out of the synagogue. Now, some of us can be like, I can relate to that. I got kicked out of my church. Mm, No, you didn't. You left your church, and that's a big difference. They're getting kicked out of, sorry, I'm going to be throwing some truth bombs down today. So if y'all aren't ready, you'd better just pause it and just leave if you need to, because this might be the last sermon I ever preach at Restoration Church. Just saying, because uh, it's going to get dicey here in a little bit. They're excommunicated from the synagogue that was a big deal it's not just like leaving the church and going to the next one down the corner or going to the one that meets in a brewery because they're the coolest this is about excommunication of your entire life they would lose family family would no longer talk to these people anymore they would lose their family they would lose their friends they would lose their jobs and if you had a job you would lose all or, or if you owned a company you would lose all of your clients you'd lose all your customers and, and when the time came for you to die, they wouldn't even give you an honorable burial. You would have to be buried in a different way. You wouldn't even get the same type of treatment that your family did because you were excommunicated from the synagogue. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's going to ever happen to me. I don't think I'm going to be excommunicated from, from, well, I shouldn't say that. I, 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 if I were to leave the church, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And if you leave your church, wherever it is that is right now, if you just leave the church, I, I hate to say it, it's not going to be that big of a deal for you because we don't make church that big of a deal for any of us. It's just a little thing that we do on the weekend. It's just something we play. It's just something we dress up and do every single Sunday. It's not actually really a part of our lives. It's just something that we, we get to do. And so leaving the church is no big deal. It's not going to impact my family. It's not going to impact my friends. It's not going to impact my job because who cares? Who cares? There's another church you can go to, and it's such a small part of my life. It doesn't matter. And that's the entire issue of this whole passage, you guys. I, <laughs> I'm going to try not to be really like, just snarky and, and, uh, and mean, but <sighs> I've been reading the last few weeks. This whole sermon series has just been hard. It's been really hard to see because I see such a difference in the way these disciples live, the, what, the life that Jesus called us to, and the life that we actually live. And I started a couple of weeks ago talking about the Holy Spirit. And then last week, when we started talking about prayer, that th- th- His answer is yes, when we remain in Him. But we've stopped short of that, and we, we add to it. We say, no, it's, it's either yes, no, or not yet. And Jesus is like, I said I would say yes if you remained in me. And so, little by little, I'm seeing these little things of our lives not matching what Jesus called us to, and I'm tired of it, and this is another one. I can read these verses and say, if the world hates you, they're gonna hate me, it's because they hated me first, and I'm like, okay, well, I live in America, so that doesn't matter anymore to me. Right, like, I live in America, so of course I'm not gonna get persecuted because I live in America, the greatest country in the world. Of course there's no persecution here. That's, uh, that's not what Jesus said. He said, if you follow me, you're going to have persecution. I'm trying to find the verse where he just said it. We, we've read it already. Um, ah, there it is. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We don't get an option here. If we're followers of Jesus, it means that we're going to be persecuted. So if we're not being persecuted in any form, I don't mean martyrdom, I don't mean getting cat and nine tails, I don't mean getting hung on a cross, any of that kind of stuff. But if we're not even getting persecuted in the slightest, then I think we're doing something wrong. Yes, even here in glorious America, I think we're getting something wrong. No, it's not a Christian nation. We might have been having some Bible in our country for a little while, and you might think we need to get our country back to God, but there's no back to God. It's just getting our country to God, which means getting each other to God, which means being his disciples, which means persecution. Serious question. When did the call to be a disciple change? Because the discipleship that we're selling here in the United States, at least here is, is, is not this discipleship. James 1, 2 says, rejoice when you face trials of many kinds for it produces endurance. And we're going to have trials. We're going to have sickness. We're going to have illnesses. We're going to have something happen to us. We're going to have catastrophe happen to us. That might, that's just a part of life. For it produces endurance. But when we see these endurance, when we see these trials happening, it doesn't produce endurance in us. We just leave. We blame God and we leave. Second Timothy 3:12 says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Notice the all in that scripture. In 2 Timothy, all who desire to live a godly life all who desire to live a godly life, not just all who desire to live a godly life, except for those that are in the United States because there's no persecution there because they're free, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. No, it says all who live a godly life will be persecuted. So is scripture lying or is our lives not matching up to what Jesus called us to? Same here, it's not me, okay? Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Revelation 2, do not fear what you are about to suffer. 2 Corinthians 12, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, calamities. For when I am weak, he is strong. 1 Thessalonians 3, no one be moved by these afflictions. You know you were, we are destined for this. And we're sitting here in America going, oh, I'm not destined for this. I don't know, I got it pretty good. I hate to break it to you. We must be doing something wrong. We are an anomaly. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that he was sending us out as sheep among wolves. Except for you guys in America. 1 Peter 4, beloved, except for you in America, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes to test you as though something strange were happening to you. You know what's strange is things aren't happening to us. That's the strange part. When did we start believing this lie? We, 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 we want more of Joel Osteen in our lives. You get a blessing and you get a blessing and you get a blessing. Everything's great. Prosperity all around. No, you guys, Jesus said over and over and over again that we will face trials. In fact, he said, if you want to follow me, you will take up your cross, your punishment, that torturous thing. You're going to take that with you and follow me. You don't get to take your bank with you. You don't get to take your privilege with you. We will be persecuted if we remain in Jesus. And a lot of us, and if this is you, you've got free will. Do whatever you want. But a lot of us are saying, well, then I'm not going to remain. Well, then you don't get to enter. We're not getting persecuted because we're sitting on the bench. Basketball players, they don't guard the bench, do they? Satan's not hitting us with any sort of persecution. He's not sending his demons out after us because we're just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. We're watching the gameplay and not having any sort of impact on it whatsoever. We'd rather sit on the sidelines than be in the game because in the game, that means we're going to get hurt. When we start sharing our story, then people are going to mock us. People are going to laugh at us. People are going to... Whatever, the lowest level of persecution. Again, I'm not talking about what's happening outside of the world because there's persecution of the church happening. It's happening in China. It's happening in in North Korea. It's happening in Iran. It's happening in, in Ukraine right now. It's happening around the world. But we think we're in this safe little bubble, but we're not. We are serving something completely different, and it's not God. The moment a little bit of hardship comes at us, we we act more like Antonio Brown with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and just throw our shoulder pads off, throw our jersey into the crowd. We're like, I'm out. Peter says, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Some of us are going to be like, oh, no, I faced persecution last few years, man. We couldn't go to church on Sunday morning. The government was telling us what we could and couldn't do. I had to wear this thing on my face for a while. Then they were telling me to go get vaccinated. Then they were doing this and this and this. And Man, I was persecuted. Nah, nah, we got our privileges taken away. We started not having some privileges. That wasn't Persecution. They weren't targeting Christians to wear masks. They weren't targeting Christians to, to, to not go to church and only Christians. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I wasn't able to go to a movie theater either. Heck, I couldn't go to restaurants. That wasn't about persecution. That was about privilege. And it could have been a wake-up call for the church. It really could have been for the idea that the church is more than just sitting in a pew and listening to a sermon and more than just singing some worship songs. It's actually about loving your neighbor and being around people and helping people out. But instead, we just threw a fit because we didn't get what we wanted. And we had to stop and we had to get rid of some of our comforts, the daily routines, the things that we were used to doing. We weren't able to do those things. Why? Because we worship the God of comfort instead of God being our comforter. And that's what killed us more than anything else, is that our God of comfort uh, was taken away from us. And instead of going to God our comforter, we went to Facebook and complained about it. And we had started talking about elections that were rigged, and we started being passive-aggressive on social media, and we started just playing politics. and we yell and we cry about persecution. That's not persecution of Jesus. It's persecution because you're being a jerk. I said it. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> we care more about the comfort of our political party or our freedoms or our jobs than resting in the comfort of who God is. And the reason we're not being persecuted right now is because we believe more in the God of comfort instead of God being our comforter. And we'll put up a good front, we'll put up a good face, and we'll, we'll pretend to care about something, and we'll throw the flag of Ukraine on, on, <laughs> on our Facebook profile page or whatever it is that the cause is that we're going for now. We would much rather have a lot of exposure with limited amount of involvement than having all the involvement and no exposure whatsoever. Because we care more about the comfort and what we look like. You want the truth. We're not following Jesus. We're following comfort. And the minute our political agenda gets thrown upside down, that's when we'll start talking. I've seen more people talk about the election and defend Donald Trump more than we'll open up a Bible and talk about Jesus. So I'm sorry, who, who's on the throne? danger of this message is we're going to start looking for ways to be hated and it's not going to be out of love. It's not persecution for persecution's sake or hatred for hatred's sake. We don't need to be masochists here, but we need to follow Jesus and we need to follow what God calls us to do. And and we've been following the God of comfort instead of God being our comforter. It says in Matthew 13, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. That's not us. That's not us. We'd rather uh, look for the field and keep everything else that we've got going on. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, and and we're going to sell everything we have in order to get that treasure. And this is not a financial sermon here today. This is a comfort sermon here today, in that we are more concerned with staying comfortable than preaching the name of Jesus. We're cool with Jesus if it means we don't have to change much. Accept us as we are, but don't change us. Jesus, I'm going to come to you and tell you that I love you, but please don't do anything to me. Our mission statement is transparency, community, and change. Change from Christ to us and through us to the world. We'd like to skip the to us part and just go through us to the world. Because we want to hold on to those comforts. We want to hold on to the things that make America great. And we want to hold on to whatever those... Dietrich Bonhoeffer knows a couple of things (laughs) about giving up comforts. He was uh, a theologian in Nazi Germany. He was hanged because he opposed Nazi Germany and spent time in concentration camps. He actually was in the plot to try to kill Hitler, but um, he eventually was hung because of it. He had an opportunity to leave, but he didn't. Or he did leave, and then he came back because he was like, I can't rebuild the church if I'm not here during the trial. Anyway, he has a quote. He says, cheap grace is preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. That's cheap grace. Grace costs something. It costs Jesus his life. It costs God his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we're selling this thing of like, oh no, you can follow Jesus. It's cool if you just follow him and keep all the stuff that you've got going on. You don't have to raise your standards. You don't have to do anything different with your life. He loves you just the way that you are. Don't change a thing. And the devil's going to keep you right on the sideline. This is me, I um, there have been times in, in, in life where uh, people have asked me questions about what I believe and, and what sin is and what sin is, and, and these could be good good conversations with people and I always skirt around the issue, I dance around it because I want the person to like me. So this next point is for me more than it is for you, I think, but Our standard of following Jesus doesn't change based on the world's acceptance. We'd rather be liked than stand for truth. We love to worship in spirit, but not really in truth. Jesus was with the woman at the well when he said, uh, there'll come a time when people worship worship me in spirit and in truth. He had called out this woman's sin so, yeah, you're right that you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the guy you're sleeping with now is not your husband. Standard doesn't change based on the world's acceptance. And he says, you will worship me in spirit and in truth. And a lot of us, the problem is we worship Jesus in spirit. We love coming to church on a Sunday morning and lifting our hands and worship and singing about how great he is and hearing a message. And then we leave and we go out into our cars. And then 10 minutes later, we're the exact same person because we're not embracing the truth that we live to a different standard. And the reason we're not being persecuted is because we keep lowering our standards so that the world will accept us. And And I'm guilty of this, you guys. I'm I'm 100% guilty of this, and so this is not me calling you out. This is calling me out, and we need to start calling sin, sin. I need to be bold enough to do that, but I need to be able to do it in a loving way, and but it needs to be said. We need to stand for truth. We need to start making decisions based on what Jesus has for us, instead of what the world has for us. It blows my mind that the divorce rate among Christians is the exact same divorce rate that the rest of the world has. We've lowered our standards, and if there's you've been divorced, there's love for you, there's 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 grace and there's fulfillment. But I'm not going to stop dancing around the fact that it's sin. I don't know. We probably won't have a church after this, you guys, because nobody's going to want this. But We live in a culture where sexual immorality is just the normal now. It's just fine. Live with your partner. Live with your uh, significant other. Have sex whenever you want. Don't wait for marriage. Who really cares anymore? And the church is embracing it. I've embraced it. because I've wanted people to like me. And I've wanted to grow a church. I've wanted to grow an organization that pretends to care about people. And if I cared about people, I would call sin, sin. Sin. Bonhoeffer would have lived a heck of a lot longer if he'd have just stayed in America and not gone back to Germany. But what kind of life would that have been? He didn't change his standard of living. So the world would accept him. He called out sin. When he called out sin, he meant it, and he was hung for it. And We sing all these songs that say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, maybe. I'm kind of deciding to follow Jesus as long as I can keep all my stuff with me is actually the way it goes. The world behind me, the cross before me, we don't sing that. We sing the world beside me, the cross behind me. We sing though none go with me, uh, I guess I'll turn around and go back to where the crowd is. Can we be honest about where we're at as a church right now and saying that we're not being persecuted because we care more about comforts and we're going to lower our standards so that we're not persecuted? I would hate to see what persecution would look like in America because I don't. <laughs> not very many people would be left. We're afraid of being called names. We're afraid of losing jobs. We're afraid of losing spouses. And I feel like there's something else there that... When did following Jesus look so different, you guys? What made us the exception to the rule? What made us the... uh, We can do whatever we want. Jesus is cool with it anyway. I'm calling for us to repent as a church, as a body, as Christians in the United States of good old America. We've bought this lie hook, line, and sinker that we're not persecuted because we live in America. No, we're not persecuted because we're not following Look at your own life. I'm looking at mine. Will you stand for Jesus this morning? This evening, this afternoon, whatever time it is, will you stand for Jesus? Jesus came to a, he left his throne. He taught us everything that we needed to know. And he died on a cross for us. And he rose again and he warned us that we were gonna face persecution, that we, if we were gonna follow him, here's the standard in which we need to live by. Don't venture off of this standard You're going to remain in me and you're going to have joy even though the world hates you, even though you're not going to get everything you ever wanted in life. Even though those things aren't going to happen for you, you're still going to find joy. You're still going to find love because my love is going to be in you. My joy is going to be in you and it's not going to matter that the world hates you anymore. We are so like the rich young ruler. The problem is some of us are pretending to follow Jesus and it's not even close. What I'm convicted of you guys It's a story Jesus is telling his disciples. The things he's telling his disciples are nowhere close to what we're experiencing. We walk around joyless. We walk around full of hate. We walk around divided. And we walk around without any sort of persecution. We're like, yeah, this is the life Jesus called us to. I no longer want to follow Jesus if it's just convenient. building relationships with people so that we can call sin sin and so that we can point people to Jesus. And if they don't like it, if they hate us, then they hate us. And we're going to show as much love as possible and we're going to continue to tell people, I love you, I love you, I love you. Even though you hate me, I still love you and I'm not going to change my standard. It might cost us something. But to gain your life, you've got to lose it for Jesus. Let him lead. I'm begging you. Oh, Father, may we be people who just follow you. God, forgive us for chasing after comfort instead of you, the God who comforts. God, forgive us for lowering our standards. Give us the courage and the strength to be better, to be different. God, help our love for you to explode. It's in your name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.